0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: And welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber here, hosting the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio and on my Instagram Live. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. Answer any questions, anything you want to talk about. Of course, I'm always prepared. And a couple of ways to get a hold of us. The easy way, though, it's kind of old-fashioned. 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And um, better yet, you can join us here live. You can either join me on Instagram Live at Werbis underscore DVM. Or better yet, go to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Shows. Scroll to Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. And... You can have a link there for you. You can join us live, hopefully with one of your pets in the hand as well. If you have a black cat, I'd like to know how many of you have black cats and how fantastic they are and why anybody would think that there is anything see, satanic about black cats. We're going to get to that during the show. So anyway, here I am. This is Ninja, Black Ninja. He was one of my 10 pets at home. We have five dogs and five cats. And um, he adopted us more than we adopted him. My uh, youngest daughter... I say that like she's young, like she's a kid. Yeah, my 30 year old youngest daughter. She was uh, outside. This is like after college, and she was waiting for a friend to pick her up. And um, this black cat just came right up to her sitting on our front doorstep and just, you know, was just like this, just, oh, cuddles and um, had no ID, nothing. And, you know, she pet him a little bit and then her, her ride came to pick her up and then she was gone. A couple of days later, she's outside again. And who comes up? this cat again. this time the quintessential mistake. she went in the house and she brought out some food. So that's all it took. So now he's been with us, oh my God, it's, it's he's close to 10 probably probably eight years. and um, you know it's so funny because at first every time there was an open door an open window, he wanted to get out. Hes he just like you know he was an outdoor cat and we had oh we put up signs, we put up posters I took him to the office he had no microchip. he was astray. He wasn't neutered. So anyway, bottom line is now, you know, first of all, all our cats indoors only, and he could, he could walk to the threshold of an open door, stick his head outside, he'll look to the left, look to the right, he goes, nah, I'm running back in, I got it made here. So uh, he's he's, uh, just an amazing cat. So anyway, as you can imagine, tonight being Halloween, there are a number of of, um, uh, Halloween related stories out there and safety issues. So uh, just well, let's go through some of them. Well, first of all, holiday hazards. Of course, we have the candy, jack o' lanterns, the toxic glow sticks, small costume pieces—you know, parts of a costume that can break off and chewed. Those are all uh, issues. And uh, so, of course, we want to try to keep our pets securely indoors. Um, uh, especially, especially your cats, especially your black cats, but, uh, anyway, make sure they're microchipped, make sure they have ID tags, um, and all those good things. And, um, as far as the costumes, cause we talked about this last week and I'll mention it again. First of all, masks, no masks and all the experts will tell you no masks, you know, their vision is bad enough. You don't want to do anything that's going to impede their vision even more. You know, as I said, they're going to be seeing a lot of other people coming to the door, or if you take your dog out with you in costume and on a mask and, you know, everyone looks different and dogs are, have amazing sense of facial recognition. They can tell a lot from a face and um, that's how they've survived. And the problem is that, that if you're wearing a mask and then they're wearing a mask, uh, they don't have that same ability. So it's a problem. As far as the costume itself, it shouldn't fit too tightly. It shouldn't impede, get like. Tight under their arms, make sure they can urinate or defecate so it's not blocking anything. And, um, you know, it has no small components that can be chewed. And and that's the thing that's important also is you need to make sure that they like it just because it's cute. And there are a lot of cute stuff out there. I I mean, when I speak at conferences, I have a bunch of slides of, of dogs in costume that are really, really cute. There's no doubt about it. But if they don't like it, if they're trying to bite it off or they're they're just uncomfortable, then just don't do it. It's not that important. We tend to anthropomorphize. Oh, we think it's cute. They must think it's cute, too. Oh, it looks so good. It fits so perfectly. Probably does. Well, maybe not. So anyway, you just want to be really careful. So and of course, the candies, I mean, chocolate, the sugar Free uh, candies that are um, that are uh, sweetened with xylitol—that's a big, big problem. Wrappers—they don't care; they're eating the whole thing. So um, you want to get that. And so anyway, black cats. Let's talk about black cats for a second. By the way, for those of you joining me, this is Ninja, and Ninja is clearly a black cat, and uh, he is very large. He's a a good eater. Um, That's probably our fault, but he's a big cat anyway, and. um, so yeah, he's always the first one to the food bowl, last one to leave. If any other cat doesn't finish his food bowl, it's okay. We have a garbage disposal here. His name is Ninja, and he eats all the leftovers. And uh, he's just, uh, I guess that's from, you know, having to, to scavenge when he was an outdoor cat. But, uh, I mean, he's pretty spoiled. Anyway, so where does this superstition come from? Well, it comes actually back to, dates back to 1233, when uh, Pope Gregory the IX, it sort of issued a papal bulletin that black cats were an incarnation of Satan. And and also, if you notice that back then, women that were accused of witchcraft were also uh, often compared to these aloof cats. So there was, for some reason, these felines got a bad rap. And um, as all of us that are cat lovers know, that um, it's just not fair because they are absolutely amazing. You You know, it's funny, I have five Four of my five accidentally read the dog book by mistake. They're like this. They just all they want is cuddles, love, affection. They play, they fetch, they play with the dogs. You know, one of my cats is more munchy. You'll meet him at some point. He's more of an aloof cat, you know, like doesn't have the same kind of outgoing personality. He's a great cat, but but you have to go to him and you know he'll love the love, but he won't come to you. Whereas all my other cats, you walk into a room, they just walk right up to you. And all they want to start doing is getting some hugs and kisses. And also, more recently, a lot of the animal advocacy groups are stating that it's really not true that that there are satanic rituals around Halloween with regards to black cats. People always say when I was growing up, oh, my God, you a black cat. Don't let him outside. You know, people aren't torturing them. They're, they're not uh, sacrificing them, at least not that we know of. <laughs> no one that i know had a black cat that was lost and sacrificed so a lot of these seem to be myths i remember this is even back to the 1200s anyway in fact because of this and because of pr- trying to prove that that is not the case a lot of people are going into shelters and actually specifically ask for black cats and um he's our second black cat in fact interesting my very very first cat was a black cat. I was a pre-vet working at a hospital locally as a tech before I went to vet school. And um, this cat came in, it was a stray. He had a permanent limp. He was probably injured at some point. And uh, uh, he was all black. And I just, even though I was really allergic to cats at the time, I didn't outgrow my allergies till later. I had taken allergy shots for a number of years. Through vet school, I took allergy shots. And um, anyway, so his name was Gimpy. He was a great cat because he had a gimp. And in fact, it was funny, on a quiet night, if you heard him walking down the hall, you can hear one of his joints on his front leg. That was the limping leg click. So he had somebody, he was a great cat. He was all black. Anyway, we couldn't pass Ninja up because look at this, look at those eyes, he's stunning. So, um, and he's so sweet. It's, and it's funny, the way he drinks, he sticks his whole head under the faucet. The water drips down his face onto the side. And he's going like this and he's, he's, he's licking the water. He's really, really funny. So you can specifically look, ask for black cats. I know I did. And here's, here is my black cat. So uh, anyway, he's great. So even though this is one of the first weeks in a long time that there was a, a story greater than COVID for animals. Okay. Because Halloween beat out with all the news briefs that I read and looked at a lot of stuff on, on black, on cats up oh, and nothing on, on, uh, uh, not, I would say nothing, but not a lot on COVID. But three male Malaysian tigers in the San Diego Zoo, listen to this. They were fully vaccinated. You know, now they're vaccines for the big cats. And yet they still had breakthrough COVID. Not a terrible case. They're both doing, there are three of them doing very, very well. But they're just waiting for some confirmatory post uh, different testing. But anyway, it's just interesting that even th- the big cats that are getting the vaccine, it is possible to get these breakthroughs. But interestingly, even though the cats don't get as bad of clinical disease as we do. They also can get the virus, the infection, even though they're vaccinated. And it happens to people that we know as well. But interestingly, the symptoms seem to be much less in the cats as they are with people. And I do know a few people that have had COVID even after the vaccines, but very, very minor, very, very minor clinical disease. Oh, also there are, interestingly, we talked this about, um, oh, I think it was one, one or two weeks ago about the fear of having a lot of um, animals being re-surrendered to shelters and rescue groups, and you know it, 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 it seems to be regional because in some areas it's a big problem, and other is I talked to the rescues that I work with, and they've gotten very, very few returns, which is a good thing. So, but it is interesting that it, it does happen. But. With this in Connecticut, a number of shelters are having animals return. But interestingly, it's not the dogs or the cats. It's the rabbits. It's the hamsters. It's the gerbils, right? Uh, it's the guinea pigs. And I think what's happening is even though those of us that have had them, and I recently, as you know, you had my little Russian dwarf um, who was just amazing. I mean, this, this thing is this big and it had real personality. It was a great little thing. But anyway, you have to still, I think they're pretty easy to take care of. But if you don't know what they need and they need exercise, especially bunnies, rabbits need exercise and they, it's not, you really need to know rabbits. So don't necessarily adopt something just because it's really, really cute. All right. You want to adopt something because it's going to fill a need in your house. You're going to provide a home for a pet that might otherwise be destroyed. So, but no, do your homework first, know what it's going to take, what you need, what kind, of, um, uh, what kind of food, what kind of environment they're going to survive in, et cetera. And that's what you want to do. So it's very important. And instead of having to bring it back, you'll enjoy your new pet. And I think that's very important. So a couple more stories. But what I, first, I want to uh, talk about, well, we're going to go take a quick break. It is that time. And um, let's see, anybody else have to wave To No, Good and um anyway so we'll be back right after these short messages don't go away and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about some uh, interesting stories including rabies boy we're, I'm getting hearing some cases about rabies now which is nuts and um, a little bit more about lepto and the canine flu and telemedics. we'll be right back so you know I'm always perusing what's going on in the pet world and I attend all the pet conferences I came across a company I really like called Carlson Pet Products. It's family-owned, very affordable stuff, and they specialize in creating pet safety products to keep your pets you know, happily protected from the puppy stage all the way through their senior years. And they have tons of products. They have pet pens and folded elevated pet beds. They have crates, pet gates, et cetera. And um, I love their portable pens. First of all, they're very lightweight. You can fold them up. They have a little carry bag for storing. So they're really so convenient for you to use. You can use them for at home. You can use them for travel or let's say you're just heading someplace down the street and you want to keep them protected. I think it's great. So the pet pens come in two sizes, you have a six panel and an eight panel. And so basically you get ample room to explore and you can add also an attachable canopy. So it creates like a shaded area to protect them from the sun. So for more information, you can visit them at CarlsonPetProducts.com. You'll get 25% off the order plus free shipping. If you use the promo code PetLife, that's P-E-T-L-I-F-E, you're going to love them.
0: How many of you have pets? Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We
1: <laughs> hey, and welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber here, your host on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I was just asking some of my the uh, followers on Instagram how many animals they have, what do they have? And so far, it's all been dogs. Come on, guys! I want, I want some cats. <laughs> I have five and five, but if I count my four cats, that I said that read the dog book. I have nine and one. They're just funny-looking dogs. They behave like dogs. They eat like dogs. They're just you know so insane. But um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. And, and the problem is that when you work with rescues, as I do, and I work with a number of rescue groups, it's really hard to say no. And that's why all five of my cats are rescues, either brought into the office or I said mentioned Ninja here. Kind of rescued us from hanging out outside and seeing my daughter sitting and waiting for a friend to pick her up. And uh, he decided, "Hmm, there's a sucker. I'm going after that one. She looks like she'll take me in. And uh, it wasn't the first time. But a few days later, when he came back, yeah, that's when it happened. And uh, he's been he's been like with us indoors ever ever since. And it's been been amazing. So anyway, this is an interesting story. I'm going to let Ninja go. He'll be walking. He'll be running around the room here, but in my studio. Okay, Ninja. So. What's interesting is that there was a, a hiker and his dog were bitten by a coyote. They tracked the coyote down and sure enough, they found it had rabies. It was positive for rabies. They had to put the coyote to sleep. Um, now the, oh, the, oh, that's my cat. My told you he likes to like rub up against things. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's rubbing against my, my phone and light here because I'm not giving him attention. And that's what he does when he wants attention. He just kind of attacks. So the, uh, dog this, oh by the way this happened in baltimore so uh and, and northeast is very you know we see a lot of rabies there in the northeast and in wooded areas too and this was just outside baltimore in a, in a wooded area so um you it's, it's very important to know that the dangers are out there well so the dog had had was active on oh god that's my cat that's ninja that's not me shaking that's the cat so the uh dog had had rabies shot they just needed a booster the owner had to get some some uh, rabies vaccine. It's interesting about rabies; no longer do you have to do that crazy treatment where they have to do those injections into the abdomen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, it's since it's kind of a slow-moving virus, relatively, you can. It's one of the few viruses where you can be protected by getting the vaccine after the bite, and it was after the incident. So, rabies shots in people. I, when I was in vet school, we all all entering freshmen had to get a rabies shot. And um, so I got my rabies shot, and this is going back in 19, 1980, so it was about 40 plus years ago. They're good supposedly for 10 years. Well, about 10 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, and no, it was about when I was 25 years out of school. So uh, it was about 15 years ago. I was at a conference, and um, we always get these booths that vets and doctors, like any other doctor, kind of were the worst pa- uh, patients. So there was a booth where we could get blood drawn. So I said, yeah, sure, I get my blood test. I, mean, I, I feel good. Well, let's get the blood test just to see how everything's going. I they send you the results. I took it to my doctor. Everything's good. And for an extra, I don't know, forty bucks or whatever, you can get a rabies titer. And I'm thinking to myself, look, I had my rabies shot 25 years before. Then it's good for 10 years. So I'm not really expecting much of a rabies protection, yet. After 25 years, I still had a high titer, and I'm hoping that that bodes me well with COVID and all the other stuff. That my my titer is going to stay high for a long time. But anyway. That is, uh, that was amazing. So just be careful when you're hiking and and don't, the worst thing you do, one of my friends did this. She saw a raccoon and it looked like it was hit by a car. It was in the middle of the road. She picked it up. She's cradling it. She calls me what to do. First of all, have you ever seen raccoon nails up close? We're talking talons, right? And really sharp. All of a sudden she was waiting for someone to pick her up. She was going to take it to an emergency and this thing woke up. So it must've been almost like a concussion. It was knocked out by the car, but there were no major outward signs of injury. And when this thing came to and saw it, he he went or she went ballistic and scratched the heck out, was was biting my friend. Fortunately, it didn't have rabies. It was just scared you-know-what-less, but very, very scary. So when you see these wild animals, don't, and you want to be a good Samaritan, it's good to be a good Samaritan, but it's not good to be stupid. So, I mean, just go slow, get help, don't go up with your free hands and 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 and, and try to, you know, save the, the, the pet. Get the appropriate help. Get some uh, from other people as well. And just really be careful because you just never know. And sometimes it's the animals that are either getting injured or because they're slowing down because they're sick. And you don't know why they're sick. And if, and if they come out and they start biting, it could be rabies as well. So we want to just be a little more careful. Now, another story, and I've had these cases. In fact, I, I wish... I, I think it was digital. I don't know. I think it was before digital x-ray. And after a while, you know, you, you sell your x-rays. They get silver out of them. You know, we, we don't hang on to them. But uh, I have taken x-rays before. Dogs that were ADR ain't doing right. And in what, what I find in their stomach or intestine, I would find coins. And a quarter I found. Nickel. I mean, I could have bought a, back then I could actually, you know, save the coins and bought a cup of coffee. Now, it was, you, can't, you can't even do that. But these coins are toxic and everyone thinks that it's lead, lead, lead. No, it's actually zinc and pennies and nickels uh, have a lot of zinc in them. Uh, all, all coins do really. And zinc is potentially very toxic. And i just read the list of potential toxins that we can have with zinc toxicity. So you've got to be really careful with change. Because animals for some reason like to. Eat. Oh, you know, another thing, ID tags. A lot of the, the metallic ID tags also have aluminum and zinc and the zinc can be a problem. Oh, what's amazing is when you take an x-ray of these things, the detail, you can, you can see what it is just because the detail is so cool on the x-ray. Anyway, besides causing blockage, I've never had the problem with blockage. Usually what's happening is the digestive juices are eating away this thing, it's releasing the zinc and they're getting sick. What signs of zinc toxicity? Vomiting, diarrhea, um, anorexia, they don't want to eat, the lethargic, weak, and um, also this is how we pick it up if it's in there for a long time. Uh, hemolytic anemia. They can get anemic from the zinc. So it's one of those things that you really, really want to be careful about zinc toxicity. I was going through some uh, programs of some upcoming, uh, I think this year, 2022, I think even in, in, as early as December 21, um, in uh, almost as of tomorrow, the end of next month, trade shows are going to be back at full speed ahead. I was back in the VMX in Orlando in June, which was still uh, very sparsely attended. Normally, it would get about eighteen thousand people, and at this particular conference, they were like six thousand. I mean, just to give you an idea: third capacity. The exhibit hall was, I don't. Know, it was like it looked relative, looked empty. When I went to Super Zoo in in Vegas, uh, that was uh, that was much more. Uh, it was pretty full, actually. I think that was hap- hopping. So anyway, there are um, a, a number of. Tr- uh, uh, Conferences coming up. So I always like to look and see what when it was. Like, I'm going to go to one in January. Uh, it's put on by the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association. And they call it SKICE, S-K-I-C-E. And it's really not SKICE, it's Ski-ce. So uh, it is community education. It is a fantastic conference. It is so geared to skiing and snowboarding. I'm a snowboarder. And uh, so, I mean, basically breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. Sessions from seven to nine, nine to four, open on the slopes, and then four to six thirty or uh, or maybe four to seven more sessions, and then you're free for the evening. So I can't miss that conference because it's for first of all, it's always a great conference, great speakers. So uh, I love going, and it's so chill, it's so cool. But the other ones, I noticed there are a lot of talks now on telemedicine, and um, Brandon and I, my son and I, who's Brandon is our CEO over at AirBet. We've done virtual talks, a couple of them last year, year and a half, when there were no open conferences. And, uh, but now they're gonna be open and I'm seeing a lot more. Now It's interesting is, I don't know who your veterinarians are. I know I'm your veterinarian. I'm some of you are, I'm your vet, but a lot of them um, aren't using telemedicine and you should let them know that they are missing the boat. They should do telemedicine. There are tons of companies out there. They're all good. and. Well, some are better than others, of course, but it's a great feature to have. because You know, it's funny. You ask the doctors, they want the in-person visits. They're afraid that if they, they're not going to make, I don't know what they're afraid of. It just, they don't, I don't think they understand it. Clients' perspective is they want telemedicine. The same reason they want Uber Eats and DoorDash and all those things is they want it to come to you. They don't want to have to go to them. And since the, uh, the largest chunk of pet parents are millennials, They are the fastest growing. They are also the most spending. So we as veterinarians have to adjust our normal way of doing things to accommodate the needs of not only our pets, but of our pet parents. Remember, he was saying how he really didn't like working with the owners that much, but he really liked working with the animals. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, that's great. We all love animals, but you have to learn that until the time that that animal... Can come in and sign his own checkbook or credit card slip, right? Or pull out his own, you know, card. We have to rely on the pet parents, just like babies have to rely on their parents. And so, anyway, it's funny. I have a, I took a picture of this uh, one of my patients. This is years ago. Was a Weimaraner. He was tall, a big boy, and he would love to jump on the counter. So what I did was I took an open checkbook. I mean, this is obviously a long time ago. We're talking checkbooks and 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 um and a pen, and I had him jump up. And we put glasses on him and he sat there for a great picture of it looked like he was signing a checkbook. I said, when that day happens, when that day happens and you can have the dogs signing up their own uh, uh, checks or credit card slips, then, yeah, you can have an attitude that, you know, I don't like the parents so much. I like working with the dogs. But until then, eh, it's not going to happen. So uh, anyway, tonight, Halloween, be careful out there. Keep your dogs away from the bad stuff. Um, let them have fun. If you have a dog that goes nuts when the doorbell rings, put them in a safe room. Let them have a good time. And one thing, also, as I always say, um, if you any have, if you have any leftover candy, uh, let me give you my address real quick. And I'm just kidding. We don't get many trick or treaters here at all. But I always buy a big because I figured, oh my God, we can't let this food go to waste. Hell no. So someone's got to eat it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a chocoholic. That chocolate cookies send them my way. All right. Anyway. Um, Thanks for uh, joining me here today on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, thanks to Mark, our producer over at Pet Life Radio. And um, again, if you have any questions, any subject matter, anything you want to talk about, and there's a question How do you handle clients who refuse to pay their bill or decline all treatment due to cost? Great question. Really fantastic question. And um, I will uh, answer it. I, I don't know. Mark, can you give me a thumbs up? Can I go for a few minutes over? Okay. So, So first of all, well, the best way to do it, and again, I have never been this way, and I know I should be, so you know, as I do, as I say, not as I do, veterinarians, that's why now they are doing full, especially if you expect it to be a procedure, a big bill, you want to have a written estimate, and you need to sign it, and what a lot of hospitals are doing now, because of this, is that they are um, are demanding a 50% down payment, Uh, they have to give a deposit. So- I, and I think, look, I've never been that kind of guy, but, you know, it, it's all about, especially if it's a new client, if you don't know the client, uh, then you, you might, it might be wise to do, be prepared to put a deposit down and veterinarians to insist on taking a deposit on new clients uh, for a big, I, if it's just a, an office call. You know, it's one thing, but he wouldn't make the appointment for the office call, have the receptionist say the office call is, you know, X amount of dollars and, you know, that'll be the minimum. Uh, if there's more that needs to be done, that'll be discussed with you in the room. And then if so, uh, you have to have a written estimate. Now, let's say they refuse to pay for whatever reason. Well, a friend of mine had this happen to him and I personally feel he handled it wrong. He did say that, well, look, we have, you knew, that's why it's important to have a written estimate. When you left the pet here, we gave you this estimate, you signed it, you knew what we're getting into. Our bill is for that estimate. Now, uh, even though it usually says it can go up or down 10%, but it was, he made it for the estimate and the client refused to pay. And he said, you know what? I have no problem. I'm going to keep your dog here. We, we have boarding overnight, no charge until you can get and pay. But then the guy calls the news and they had news, literally news trucks come that he was holding his pet. The doctor was holding his pet hostage and the doc finally caved in and gave him his pet. I don't know what happened. Or did he, he, I had to, probably had to take him small claims. He had to sue him, whatever. I said, oh my God, if I had a news truck, Coming into my office with that, I would have been in heaven. I would have said, oh, my God, come on in. Let's First of all, let's see. That. Let me show you what we did today. Let me show you the private, see my staff. I mean, I wish I could do all this for free, but I can't do all this for free. People would see this, and they say, oh, my God, that guy who's who, after having the doc go through all that sign thing, who's the jerk? It's not the vet who's willing to board the dog at no charge while the guy gets his crap together, but it's the guy who said, I'm not paying for that. And he knew he had to pay for it. He knew he got exactly what he knew he was supposed to be getting. And uh, now, what about declining all treatment due to cost? This is where it gets a little tricky. I will, I will tell you now, uh, and again, it's because of the first part of your question that I, I can't say most, many of the veterinarians here in Los Angeles will refuse treatment, period. If you can't pay, if you can't put a deposit down, we're not treating your pet. Find a, a, a low-cost hospital to do something. My feeling is a little bit different. I don't like giving services away for free. We can't always afford to do it once in a while. Under certain circumstances, we might do it at the, for the benefit of the animal, of the pet itself. But what I do is a lot of these places, and this is when I sold to one of the big corporations. Those of you who know me know who that was. I don't want to um, smear anybody, but everything was about not our job. This is what they say. It's Just so you know, this is the practice managers. You go to practice management sessions, and this is what they would say. It's not our job as veterinarians to look into someone's pocketbook or wallet and base our plan on that. Their job is to pay. our job is to provide the best care possible. And guess what? And I'm the first to say that might be academic, but that's not practical. And I think a good veterinarian has a plan B and a plan C. Is it the best plan? No, but might it work? Yes. Might it work within that client's budget? Yes, I always do something tongue-in-cheek. At the, when I'm talking, I want to know from a show of hands how many of you, all right, get the best car, your best car possible. What would it be? Now, first of all, to let you know about veterinarians, I'm in a room with I don't know a couple hundred veterinarians, and you, this is funny. And here I am coming from West Los Angeles, California, and I'm thinking, oh, I, I, I wouldn't mind a, a you know an Aston Martin or a, a Daytona Ferrari, a, you know, whatever the big Porsche Turbo, uh, the new Tesla Roadster. I mean, I, I'm talking a car, right? <laughs> the hands that go up what what is it you want a ford f-150 pickup so it kind of tells you about veterinarians but i said no come on give me a car give me a real car so some guy rails a said, ah now that's a car so you obviously drive one and he goes no i go why not he goes because i can't afford it oh so you don't drive he goes no i drive wait a second you just said you can't have the best of the best and you still drive how's that possible He goes, I found something I can afford. Ah, so you actually found something that would suit your needs. It will get you to and fro. It's not the best, but it works. It works for you. He goes, yeah, we're no different as veterinarians. Our job is to find that person's Toyota or Hyundai or Maserati, whatever it is. If we can afford it, we can do it. But I always have a plan B in hand. And what's the beautiful thing of that, and my clients know it, and I think veterinarians should think about this. And and Rory, you should talk to your veterinarian about if they do this. And that is that when you do that, when you practice in a way that clients know that you will offer alternatives if they're available, when you have that case, and I've had many of them where there is no alternative, what we have to do is what we have to do. I wish I can give you a choice, Mrs. Smith, but I can't. They trust you because they know that if there was an alternative, you would offer it. And so the bottom line is for me, if I have to do something, I will do something and I have to do it for free. I always say I may sometimes lose the financial battle but I'm going to win the karma battle. And I do it because it needs to be done. I took an oath that I'm going to help relieve animal suffering. And if I have to do it and I just can't get paid for it, it's still going to happen. But unfortunately, I am a dinosaur. I know it. And um, it's a shame. It really is. But people should know that if you are going to have pets, there's going to be a financial obligation. And as one of my very dear clients, who I've known for years and years, just uh, wrote to me, there are some alternatives to pay now and then one such one is care credit another one is called scratch pay they are third-party payers if you have the ability and unfortunately one of the things that they are going to ask for is do you do you qualify and some of them are pretty tough to qualify but they will put up the money up front and you work out your payment plan with them so for practices that no line a lot of us don't do payment plans anymore it's got to be you know pay for services when they're rendered so a lot of those uh, places uh, a lot of companies out I would say a lot, there are a few companies out there that will act as a third-party payor, and then you work it out with them, the doctor gets paid, the doctor's happy, you're happy because you can pay something out over time at a fair interest rate, so it works out as well. You can look up care credit, you can look up scratch pay are two that I am very familiar with. Anyway, Rory, I hope that answers your question. Great question. And also, as Deb's writing, if you could pay within a certain reasonable pre-planned time, Care credit, and both of them will have no interest. But if you have to draw it out past a certain time, then yes, it's going to be. I think you have like six months. So, anyway, if there are any other questions, please send them to me either at Jeff at petliferadio.com, jeff at airvet.com, or drjeff at drjeff.com. So, uh, but send them through best through Pet Life Radio, because that way Mark sees them also and we can um, uh, have some subject matter and sometimes. If it's a really good question, we can contact you and you can guest on our show live and we can talk about whatever your problem is. So if you uh, are so inclined, that would be really cool to do. Anyway, thanks for joining me here, both on Instagram and on Pet Life Radio and uh we will be here oh next week i'm going to be in cabo san lucas enjoying a little R and R. so uh, if i can get good um connection i'll let mark know and uh, but uh, i mean on the phone i should be able to do it so hopefully it may not be a whole half hour show but mark i may be able to join you i'll test out the internet when i get there and uh we might be able to do it next week as well all right have a great week everybody safe happy fun halloween save the candy send it to me and uh keep your pets safe
0: let's talk pets every week on demand